California is facing a convergence of public health crises as dozens of fires rage across the state. Smoke-laden air has exacerbated conditions like asthma, while the threat of COVID-19 looms. For the more than 650,000 Californians sick with the virus, poor air quality brings a heightened risk of severe illness and death. Meanwhile, tens of thousands have been evacuated from their homes, and hotels have been filled up as emergency officials attempt to avoid crowded shelters. On this episode of the podcast, I speak with Direct Relief's head of research and analytics, Andrew Schroeder. I start by asking him how COVID-19 heightens the health risks of these wildfires. The first is just that the main route of transmission for COVID is respiratory. Um, and when you know you have uh, a pre-existing respiratory condition that might be exacerbated by wildfire smoke, so you might have be an asthmatic that actually has your asthma exacerbated during this time period. Um, if you also get COVID, the likelihood of more severe consequences from COVID uh, is just higher for you because of uh, your pre-existing comorbidity being more uh, intense uh, as a result of the of the smoke exacerbating it. I, you know, the second part of it that I think is, is important that, that is hard to know how to actually advise people effectively on is just that, um, you know, ventilation of indoor space is much harder. Um, you know, if, in, in right now, the air quality in the Bay Area in particular is absolutely abysmal. Um, but, but this is true in, to some degree throughout much of the state right now. So you can't really keep your window open. You know, if, if you are, you know, in, in your house or in a place of business or in a restaurant, um, et cetera, you know, you've got to be able to close off the space to protect the space and your breathing from the smoke. That means people are more likely to spend more time indoors in less well-ventilated spaces. And if we know one thing so far about kind of the likelihood of transmission of COVID, it's that indoors in poorly ventilated spaces is where you're most at risk. Um, there's ways to mitigate that risk, but but it's, it's definitely higher uh, under any scenario. So um, the wildfires just make it more likely you're going to spend that, that time indoors. And I guess the third is just, you know, with people that are forced to um, flee their homes, there, there, ha- there have been some evacuations so far. Um, you know, in previous fire seasons, we've seen people spend pretty large amounts of time being displaced from their homes. Um, you know, whether that's in a shelter or whether that's in, you know, hotels or whether that's doubling up with family and friends, it, it means that it's just harder for you to manage health conditions of many kinds. Uh, and in particular, social distancing, uh, while you're in these kinds of displacement conditions. Um, so the more intense the fires are, the more intense the, the displacement conditions are. Um, and, and I think that you know has all kinds of ripple effects, implications for how people manage COVID. So with tens of thousands of people evacuated from their homes right now, how are emergency managers navigating this fire response um, during COVID? You know, there's a fear of congregate shelters. So uh, what are officials doing um, to ensure people have a place to go? And then what should evacuees know? 
uh, you know, again, a, a good question. I, I should proviso by saying I'm I'm not myself an emergency manager. So, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, it, it's important to go back through to, you know, what the managers themselves are putting out. But, um, you know, there, there have been efforts to reduce the density in shelters and open up additional spaces for shelters. Um, you know, that's a good idea. How possible that's going to be over time, maintaining low density, is, is really going to depend on the event. Um, uh, you know, it, as uh, you might have an event uh, comparable to, say, the Paradise uh, Fire event or uh, the campfire from last year, uh, where the number of evacuees was, was really, really um, straining systems at the time. Um, you know, that just reducing the or increasing the number of shelters, reducing the density in any given shelter is going to be really hard to do. Um, making sure people in shelters have access to PPE is one way to deal with that. Um, you know, free access to masks and, you know, hand sanitizer and sanitary conditions and, you know, just doing a better job than normal in, uh, you know, protecting people through their access to equipment in these spaces is, is probably more important than it ever has been. You know, the other thing to bear in mind is just that the, most people uh, that evacuate during a crisis actually don't go to a shelter. They go to friends and family. Uh, how people manage that is going to be an important question for uh, their own protection from uh, COVID. How uh, you know, to effectively manage having additional people that might be in your house or, um, you know, for a certain period of time, um, you know, making sure that you're vigilant about all of the other protection uh, procedures that you would go through, uh, even while these kinds of uh, crisis events are, are ongoing, is going to be more important than ever before. Um, and that's something that, that individuals kind of have to manage. And then what about mask wearing? There's there's N95 masks, which are usually recommended for um, smoky conditions. There's surgical masks. I mean, I think that people might have a hard time knowing what, you know, type of PPE to be using right now. So is there any advice on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the first things to just remember, um, which which may get confusing for folks, just given that there's so many options, as you say, um, the uh, purpose of wearing a mask for uh, from a COVID point of view is actually less about protecting you and more about protecting others. So uh, surgical masks are designed to block droplets that, uh, you know, you tend to come out of your mouth when you talk or, or breathe or, or other, you know, just normal activity. Um, and that's important because it's those droplets that are actually transmitting the virus. The surgical mask is not really protecting you from, you know, the virus itself. The, uh, a surgical mask is too coarse green to prevent the, the virus itself from coming through it. And it doesn't really help you in a wildfire either. So wearing a surgical mask is, is uh, not a great protection against uh, against wildfire smoke, but it's still important under any scenario, uh, given that you still have to protect other people from uh, the spread of, of uh, or the potential spread of COVID. The one complexity or nuance that's come up with N95 masks is just that there's there's two primary 
variant that people see. Uh, one is a, is a regular N95 mask that's, you know, uh, designed for stopping uh, 2.5 particulate matter. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't have any vents on it. And for COVID, you really need to use uh, an N95 mask that does not have vents on it because the vents will actually still uh, spread droplets. Um, however, in in a uh, wildfire scenario, uh, the vents are actually somewhat better. Um, they allow you to breathe better. They uh, uh, it's actually just a, a much more um, if you're blocking what's coming in um, and making it possible to breathe more comfortably, then, then the the vented mask is actually somewhat better. So you know if you're in an outdoor space that um, you know you're not around a lot of people, but you're in a very smoky environment and you need to protect yourself from the smoke, then a vented N95 mask is, is actually a pretty good idea. Um, if you're around a large number of people, if you're in an indoor space, if you're, if you're um, you know, focused on uh, trying to prevent the spread of COVID, you, you really can't use the, 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 um, uh, the vented N95 mask, and you really can't expect um, a surgical mask to protect you much, if any, from, from wildfire smoke. Mm. So over the weekend, many in California experienced rolling power outages and uh, they were canceled um, Monday, but, you know, there's still potential for more. And so how does uh, electricity shortages complicate fire response during COVID? Um, yeah, in, in so many ways, um, you know, the rolling blackouts, I think, have been a little bit of a surprise this time, by the way, just given that it doesn't seem as though they were necessarily needed um, or were caused by, um, you know, un unexpected surges in power. But, but nevertheless, you know, especially coming on the heels of last year's public safety power shutoffs, we're becoming accustomed to this idea that wildfires in California are kind of normally associated with power shutoffs. Um, you know, that creates, you know, compound problems for people that are indoors. Um, so again, going back to the earlier point about, you know, needing to shut your windows, needing to be inside, um, you know, needing to, um, you know, spend time inside away from the smoke for a longer period of time, lack of access to, to, uh, to electricity just for everybody makes life just far less convenient can can produce problems for food storage can produce problems for uh, you know just making it um, tolerable to to be inside for long periods of time the people that have the biggest problems are those with power dependent medical devices so um, this was a huge problem last time for those that uh, say had um, uh, you know breathing assistance or uh, insulin pumps or, or other uh, ways that they were self-managing chronic illness with power-dependent devices, rolling blackouts become a real problem. Uh, very few people in California have a significant uh, battery backup or the ability to, to move off-grid with their power. Um, so when, but when, when these outages happen, you're, you're really a, a very large percentage of the population is just losing power altogether. And, and that's compounded if you actually also have to evacuate. So, um, you know, developing better plans for how to manage uh, chronic illness uh, and power-dependent devices is still, I think, at early stages. Um, 
people are, it's really up to individuals at this point from the standpoint of the state. Um, going to, you know, common areas uh, to recharge devices, uh, making sure that you have a plan for, for power backup. These are, these are new features of life for many people. Um, and I think, you know, as we factor that into vulnerabilities to COVID, I mean, these are also people that have chronic illness. So they're also more at risk from for, for hospitalization and other kind of acute consequences of COVID. So, so being very mindful of where the power shutoffs, uh, the density of population with power-dependent devices, the COVID prevalence in the area, bed capacity, hospital capacity in that area, these things are going to converge in new ways. Uh, to increase risks for a lot of people across the state. 